this is the Queer World Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Logan, I'm the host and the creator of the podcast. Uh, I'm just a gay man from London who came up with this idea for the podcast about a year ago. Uh, I've been working in a corporate job for a really long time and for the last few years of that I've been saving up money uh, to go travelling. And um, at some point I decided during my travels that uh, I try and meet people from our beautiful queer community in the places that I visited, or at least all the places I was able to. Uh, I'm interested in seeing how our community celebrate their identities and challenge the status quo where they live. Our community is so diverse and creative and our identities are influenced differently everywhere, dependent on a million different things. Our sexuality and gender, for one, but also our race, our cultural heritage, our religious and socio-economic backgrounds. All of these elements of who we are, I think, influence how we live in this world as queer people. Uh, but at the same time, I do think we have one thing in common, and that is the wish to live freely and equally and in harmony with others, not at odds with others. Our fight is obviously ongoing for this globally, and sometimes it can feel like it's getting worse every day but i'm hoping that i can share some stories with you around this that will inspire us all to keep going because there are small revolutions every day and that's kind of a mantra i keep in my head all the time um because sometimes living in this world as queer people can feel a little bit tough and like things are going backwards, but there are people everywhere in the world saying no and fighting back, whether that is through activism or art or just celebrating yourself and your community, we are still marching on. So our journey begins in Latin America. I started my journey in Brazil and I hope we get to travel even further in the future. So, welcome to the Queer World Podcast. Hey you, so today's episode is another one of those episodes where I made a mess of the audio on the original recording and I wasn't able to save it, so I'm just going to have to read it to you like a story again. Uh, I am happy to say that after this happened, I seemed, I figured out kind of what was going on and I began making better calls about where I chose to meet people to have the interviews. Um, I think I'd been a bit too accommodating before about noise and um, it felt like it had been fine at the time when I was doing the recordings. It seemed like my microphone didn't pick up the background noise too much, but it turned out that, I don't know, what it seems to do is isolate the background noise, which really distorts the voices in the foreground that it's trying to pick up, and you just can't understand really anything, and it's horrible to listen to, and I would not want to put your ears through that, so... This is the best alternative that I've come up with, but it's been a learning experience, um, so at least I can enjoy that. And uh, hopefully I can still tell the stories in a great way and get the best out of, of what the people I met 
was saying. And with that being said, this week, the interview comes from Montevideo in Uruguay. And this is where I learned about queer tango. Um, I just went to Montevideo for a few nights. I took a short ferry from Buenos Aires. Uh, it's a couple of hours and um, I went over to Colonia, which is a small city nearby uh, Montevideo and you get a bus from there. But you, you can go direct as well, actually, to straight to Uruguay from Buenos Aires, but I think that's a lot more expensive. Um, so I went to Montevideo in November 2022 and um, it was lovely spring weather, bright sunny skies, and uh, not too hot. And I stayed in the city for a few days, and it's quite a quiet, sleepy almost city, especially for a capital. Um, and I stayed like dead in the city centre, so I was quite surprised that it that it felt so peaceful all the time. Um, but a lot of the locals that I spoke to actually said that that was something they really liked about Montevideo is that it was a very tranquil place. Um, the city had a really grand feeling, almost like a kind of wild UNESCO site, like all of it, at least the centre did. Um, it sits right on the water's edge by the port and the buildings are all really tall and um, quite narrow almost and imposing and they're all kind of built from the colonial era. Um, it's a lovely city and great food. They had some lovely wine. Um, and so while I was there, I met with two guys from a group called Tango Queer Uruguay, which is based in Montevideo. I met Arno and Pepe. Arno is from Austria and he'd been living in Uruguay I think for less than a year at the time, and he's actually working on a PhD, which is based around queer tango, which is awesome. Um, Pepe is from Uruguay, he's Uruguayno, and he's been a long-time member of the queer tango community there. And he's also a tango teacher, and he teaches people of all ages in Montevideo. Um, and we met up in a bar called La Cretina, which is one of the places that they sometimes hold uh, their events. They call the tango dance hall a milonga, and that's in all forms of tango. And so La Cretina is one of the places that tango queer Uruguay meet to have their milongas. Um, and it was a really beautiful kind of romantic, moody setting um, it was in one of these big old colonial buildings and you walk through the door and they go back for miles and this building was kind of like a bit falling apart, derelict, shabby looking, um, bare walls and um, old vintage furnishings all over the place, big armchairs and velvet curtains hanging from all of the walls. So it felt, you know, a perfect setting for the music of tango and the dance of tango. It was very dreamlike. Uh, it was cool. Uh, so I met Arno and Pepe there and we sat down near the front of the venue, which was 
still pretty quiet at the time because it was early Monday evening, maybe a Tuesday evening. Um, and it was just us and the bar staff setting up and some loud 90s music playing in the background. Alanis Morissette, the Queen and uh, Nirvana playing in the background. Um, which is why I think the original audio was actually ruined in the end. But never mind, we progress. So I set up my kit and we began having a chat, uh, going between Spanish and English a little bit at first, but easing more into English as we warmed up. Um, but before I get into the conversation, I will give you a little bit of background on the concept of queer tango and the history of tango itself. Um, so queer tango is the concept of creating a malonga, that word that they use for the space where a tango dance night is held, creating a malonga where all the genders, all genders of can dance with each other. Um, and quite a lot of other rules and conventions that they have in a traditional tango milonga are kind of taken out or broken down as well. So the popularized style of tango that we know today originated and was kind of developed in Buenos Aires and Uruguay in the 1880s. And it's thought to come from, you know, seedy nightlife of dimly lit basements and brothel houses or places where people would meet their secret lovers. And um, the dance has um, roots in many other styles of dance that um, are mainly thought to come from the Niger and Congo, Cuba, Spain and Poland, and that they came along with uh, immigrants from those parts of the world to Buenos Aires and Uruguay at that time. So around the late 1800s. Um, traditionally, Argentine tango was actually seen as immoral and indecent. Um, and it was actually banned quite a few times um, by various governments, um, which is one of the reasons it kind of existed in these uh, CD site kind of places originally. Um, it was also unpopular due to the fact that it was associated um, with lower class immigrant communities and um, obviously with a bit of good old colonial uh, bigotry and that sort of attitude towards uh, immigration and, um, and earning less money, I guess, putting it simply. Um, yeah, it was frowned upon. Um, but it became popularized in the sort of early 20th century, um, around the 1920s, um, becoming more popular feature of Parisian nightlife and spreading further into Europe after that. But these versions were modified to be less sexually suggestive and have less bodily contact in order to appeal to people in the upper class echelons of society at the time who thought simply too much of themselves to dance in such a provocative manner. Um, you know, so it was kind of watered down a little bit before it gained popularity. Um, but traditional tango features 
some rules which queer tango disrupt. And in a typical milonga, only men and women can dance together. And men always lead the dance. And um, women can attend milongas freely. They can go whenever they like, but they have to sit at the side of the dance hall that it takes place in. And they have to wait to be asked to dance by a man. Women can't ask anybody to dance. And if you're not asked, you don't dance. You sit there for the whole night until you're fed up and you go home. You're bruised. Um, I mean, imagine that feeling awful. Um, there's also some pretty strict rules on around the way you dress. You have to dress quite formally. And you especially have to wear tango shoes. Um, so yeah, it's, there's quite some rigid rules in, in tango that haven't really changed or moved in traditional conventional tango since it became popularized. But queer tango, all of that is gone. Gender norms are removed. Uh, dress codes are removed. Anyone can dance with anyone. Anyone can lead the partnership. And you may even choose to swap roles throughout an evening. Uh, you may lead a few times. You may follow a few times. And anyone can ask you to dance. And you can ask anyone to dance. And you can wear what you want while you do it. Um, but I would suggest a shoe with little to no grip. I tried a few classes with my trainers and it was quite hard to kind of glide across the floor as you're supposed to with anything that was a bit grippy. Um, originally Queer Tango was actually a feminist movement and um, I read a fantastic book by Mariana de Campo, that's D-O-C-A-M-P-O. Um, I found it on Kindle quite inexpensively and it's only a hundred pages um, so you can get through it in no time and um, I really enjoyed learning about the history of queer tango. Marianne de Campo is one of the kind of founders and main thinkers of the movement. Um, it was a really interesting book and a really easy read but yeah it was originally a, a feminist movement and it was supposed to challenge the patriarchal norms of traditional tango and remove men from the space so that women could come to the place to the space and meet and dance free from those traditional male-led milonga limits. Um, and as the movement progressed and the feminist movement progressed, um, so did the movement for queer liberation. And so this uh, queer tango perspective was taken up by the wider queer community and Today, queer tango is embraced by many people, many genders, even outside the queer spectrum as well, as an embrace of something new and what's really kind of a natural evolution of something that was developed in such a different time. So with that little bit of background, um, we can go back to my meeting with Arno and Pepe. Um, from Queer Tango or Tango Queer Uruguay um, so their community meets up multiple times a week sometimes even every night and they meet in different venues all over the city um, it's quite a small community Arno was saying so they actually enjoy bringing them along to different spaces and new spaces to open up the concept of Tango Queer and the opportunity of it to other people 
outside of their Tango Queer community. Um, he was saying, Arno was saying, it's not, it's not really like the t uh, queer tango scene in um, in Buenos Aires in Argentina. You know, in in Buenos Aires there are multiple queer milongas that exist all over the city. So you could even go to a different one every night if you wanted to and diff dance with a different person every evening. Um, the community in Montevideo is t is much tighter knit and. So what he thinks special about that is that they have so much opportunity to mix with conventional tango milongas um, and reveal the concept to to people who maybe didn't know it existed before and allow people a chance at exciting new discovery and expanding their kind of tango horizons and thus expanding their community in Montevideo. Uh, Pepe said that what he enjoys most about queer tango is giving every person the opportunity to choose the role they wish to play in the dance, to lead or to follow, and allowing this kind of autonomy creates opportunities for queer people to experience something he was saying that they might feel they don't get much opportunity to do frequently in everyday life, which can be really liberating. And Arno added that when two people dance the tango, that their bodies are being communicated to by the music. And this music influences the conversation between their bodies. He said, you're being given a chance to listen to your body and to another person's body in a way that we don't really do in our normal lives. And it disrupts the kind of typical binary of the dance that has created this unnecessary hierarchy through gender for so long. Um, and I really loved what he was saying about that communication. It makes it feel like a really meditative sort of act that allows you to be completely in touch with every part of your body and also every part of another person's. So it's a really cool way to think of it as a kind of form of communicative like expression. I love that. Um, Pepe was saying that there's a lot of discussion within the community about the concept of leading and following and whether it's even really useful for the dance, creating a space where two people of any gender or indeed none at all can dance together, takes that question further for people and it demonstrates the possibility of something more and it adds a lot more layers to the dance um, for both the pe people dancing and the people watching. Um, you know, people who have danced tango for a long time follow rigid rules and traditions, and this could create a chance to show this, like, balance that's always been lacking, that may have even been pined for by a lot of people in the community, and I imagine especially women who dance tango. Uh, Arno added that Queering tango allows someone to bring themselves to the dance as well. So, you know, before you kind of came to the floor in a kind of character of a man and a woman, and it's all very kind of like dominant versus submissive. And uh, you kind of have a role to play, even though you can probably bring your own kind of personal flair and idiosyncrasies to how you dance. But Arno said that queering tango kind of 
removes that idea completely so you can potentially step to the floor just as yourself entirely. And when we talked about how many people think the popularization of the dance removed the diversity of bodies and cultures and backgrounds from tango over time, um, it's really interesting to think that queer tango could be reintroducing diversity to the milonga. Uh, you know, as I was saying before in that brief kind of summary, um, you know, it was a dance that was developed by people from lower class communities that were often immigrant communities and they developed their dance by bringing their dancers from their home country and turning that into something new and that was eventually watered down so it could become popularized and it was kind of sanitized and whitewashed and you know queering tango and opening up the floor in this way and giving people so much freedom really does offer this opportunity to to bring diversity back onto into the milonga which i think is incredible and really important and it reconnects tango with its true history as well um I think that's really exciting. So I said to them that observing a malonga is kind of like observing a metaphor for the world and how we move in it. Uh, you know, we might sometimes feel ourselves adopting roles to fit into society and small communities often try to push against these boundaries and move the world forward. And that feels like that's happening within the malonga itself for queer tango and what's happening outside the world can sometimes seep into what people look for within a milonga and what they might try to do with it. And that can it's kind of encourage a spark of something new to happen within the space. And um, there, Pepe and Arno agreed, but Pepe also added that whilst this is true, there is also an air of sentimental romance to tango as well and that the people that go to tango whilst they love seeing new movements and new influxes of people coming to the milonga they also do enjoy seeing tango being tango you know they don't want to mix it with anything else you know you can't mix it with swing dance pepe said it would be something entirely different it still has its own identity but they do like to see people you know speaking it in a different dialect you could say by adding their you know their view on the world through through the dance of tango uh, Pepe began dancing tango when he was a kid and discovered queer tango in later life and now he says that queer tango feels like a form of activism for him, activism through dance. And and it, he said it, it felt like it's changed the purpose of his body, which I think was like a fascinating way to express something and really powerful. And he said it's changed his confidence in how he holds himself in the street. Um, Arno discovered tango through... Argentine films when he was a teenager and took his first class when he was about 20 years old. Uh, he said that after about three classes, it was 
clear to him that he would be dancing tango forever. He just fell in love. And it's actually taken him all over the world. And obviously now he's writing a PhD about it. Um, and the queer tango community actually exists all around the world now too. Uh, there are festivals in Europe, in South America, and any city you can think of in the world. If you look it up, you can probably find a queer milonga somewhere near you. Uh, I live in London, and there are two here that I've heard of. I'm yet to go, but I, I really do want to go. I'd love to take some friends. Maybe we can go together. Um, we talked more about the liberation in the dance, in tango, with the removal of gender roles taking place. And, you know, we all acknowledge that we we were three men sitting there having this conversation. But Arno said that, you know, the, tr the thing is, is when you look at traditional tango, it kind of represents what the roles of men and women were in the time that was developed rather than the roles of men and women now. Um, at least not the way we saw ourselves as men, and I'm sure not the way a lot of women see themselves as women today. Men were kind of powerful and domineering and mean and intense and always in charge. And women were supposed to be submissive and seductive um, and kind of wilting in a way. So Arno said that for him, he didn't want to be that character of a man. And you know, he doesn't want to do anything if he's not having fun. And that was not a fun way for him to dance a tango. So removing that story from tango in queer tango means for him, for Arno, that he's free to be who he wants to be. And it's more representative of a world we actually live in today. And Pepe said, you know, he obviously, yes, he acknowledged that none of us there were were women having that conversation, but he said he has many female friends that have fallen in love with queer tango because it felt progressive and empowering for them. And, it, and they enjoyed how much lighter they were able to feel um, compared to how they're normally expected to appear in the traditional tango dance. And in my head, I kind of imagined likening that to, you know, when I would go to gay bars with my young girlfriends when I was first coming out and they loved going to a gay bar because it was a completely different environment to going for a night out in a straight bar. There's not that intensity, that fear of being stared at, that kind of uh, role you're supposed to play and, um, you know, or being touched inappropriately I feel like it would be similar to that um just giving the power back and a bit more freedom and a bit less intensity or pressure from men um so I really love that idea um that it really is a space for everyone and that you can be who you want to be women can be more powerful if they want to be or they can just a bit be a bit more carefree if they don't want to be and there's less expectation from them as a woman, as a woman, whatever that is, you know. Um, I asked Arno and Pepe if they had any hopes for, for for more change in the queer tango space, and and they they told me that they really, really do want to see more trans and non-binary bodies entering the space. Um, you know, despite the progressive approach 
towards removing gender roles from the Malonga, that there was still work to do to try and reach these communities a bit more. And, um, you know, Arno said that he felt the plurality of being could bring so much more nuance and fluidity to the dance and that he would love to see that. Um, and I completely agree. Um, and I think that that could be a really exciting opportunity. Um, we finished by talking about what they had coming up in the community that year. Pride was coming up uh, in November. So they were having a festival, a queer dance festival as part of Pride season. And tango would be one of the styles of dances featured. But there would be lots of other type, uh, types of, of dance expressed as well. Um, Arno was setting to finish his PhD in the early new year of 2023. Um, but he'd fallen in love with Montevideo. So he was wondering how he could figure out to stay a bit longer and finish his PhD from there. And Pepe said that he would continue to dance and continue to teach as always. And him and his partner may go on holiday together and dance somewhere else. They quite often go to Argentina and dance there. So it was a really beautiful meeting that I had with uh, Arno and Pepe. And it was really beautiful learning about queer tango. It was really wonderful to try and learn it. I love the music. It's just like so romantic. Um, and watching people dance it is so wonderful. Um, I went for my birthday in Mendoza and went to a queer milonga there and watched people dance all night. Um, it's so beautiful. I really recommend trying to find it somewhere near you and seeing what it could do for you. Uh, see what it could open up in your world, in your soul. Yeah, um, I just want to thank Arno and Pepe for meeting me. It was a great opportunity to learn about it and I hope that we get to meet sometime again in the future and I hope you're still dancing the night away now thank you so much for listening to Queer World Podcast I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed creating it don't forget you can subscribe wherever you listen to Queer World Podcast and don't forget as well that you can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Queer World Podcast or via email queerworldpodcast at gmail.com before I go I just want to thank my good friend Tom Pitts for providing the music to the episode you can find him on Spotify and you can also find him on Instagram under the name of Auld A-U-L-D go and check him out his stuff is absolutely amazing but until next time stay happy stay healthy and I will see you soon